Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcourie. And I'm Cathy Weston. A very warm welcome to all our listeners. Tonight's show is very exciting. Not that all our shows aren't very exciting, but this show in particular is about science, Lydia. That's it. And and now we get to admit how little we know about it. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Go first. <laughs> I was just going to, I was thinking back, you know, uh, to my science lessons at school. I mean, I really, really enjoyed chemistry. Maybe biology, not so much. And physics was quite, quite tricky. I loved physics. Did you? But I <clears throat> didn't quite get the grades. I think I think I did. I did, did the matriculation, and I think I got something like two hundred and ninety out of a thousand. Well, do you know what? We're all right because we've got uh, we've got two science teachers on the show this evening. We're wealth of scientific knowledge. They'll show us so anything we don't know, they'll be filling in the gaps. And the reason why we wanted to do this show is just to get a sense um, from people in the know about how we're doing with science, not just nationally but in Hertfordshire. How are we faring? Are our children? Um, enjoying science and how as we as parent how we as parents can help them engage and sustain that curiosity about science as they move through school that's it and most importantly we have to say we want to know about girls in science because there is there is a discrepancy isn't there between boys and girls doing science working in science and uh, so we'll be we might debunk a few stereotypes there. And you're back in luck because we happen to have not just a young, fabulous scientist in Lucy who's joining us from Oakwood School this evening, but also later on we're going to be speaking to an amazing, whizzy, exciting 17-year-old Hannah who is also equally passionate about physics. So there you go. So that's our show this evening um, and we're, we're going to start with our first guest who's joined us from the University of Hertfordshire, very posh, Dave Allen. Hi Dave. Hello. And Dave, you have not only been a teacher for 20 years, That's goodness right. me, you look far too young to be <laughs> senior leader, deputy head teacher, but you're currently a senior leader in education at the University of Hertfordshire and programme leader for the Bachelor of Education. So you're actually training uh, teachers. That's right. That's right. So I train the B.Eds, the PGCEs and the school direct students in science and in art too. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to talk about you know, <laughs> art and science. Uh, and Dave, you're an active member as well as the Association for Science Education Primary Committee. You're on the Primary Science Editorial Board and the Primary Science Quality Mark Leadership Teams. We'll have to ask you a little bit about that. And as you mentioned, you're also interested in drama. That's right. It's one of my passions, drama, definitely. Wow. It's already blowing my mind. <laughs> if you're into science, you can actually be really creative and artistic. Oh, yeah, definitely. Time. Definitely. Yeah, That's yeah. one of my one of my things. Can you spot anything else he's really interested in there, Lydia, in his bio? For, forget the science. What's this about baking, Dave? Oh, yeah. I'm a bit of a pastry fiend. Yeah. What, what, does, what, does, what do you do? I, well, pies, cakes, anything, really. My friends keep saying to go and bake off, but I just do it for pleasure, really. Ooh, so I think if you're good at science, you understand combinations of things. It's chemistry. I think it might be some of that, yeah. yeah. My science background does help. I think it does, yeah. He also dabble, dabbles in lino cut printing, but the show isn't long enough to No, we haven't got time for that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, tell us about your role at the university. I don't think a lot of parents actually think about how teachers are actually trained to teach science. Well, actually, we have a we have a bit of theory. We introduce a bit of theory to the students, and then we go into practical. They go into role as children. They experience the activities, so they see it from a different perspective. So they're looking at it from the point of view of as a teacher educator, but also as a child. So they're able to reflect and really empathise with the children. So they're not sitting, sort of studying all the time. They're no. actually experiencing. Yeah, and lots. Like yeah, absolutely. At Harvardshire in the School of Education, we really that's what we do. I know lots of places don't do that, but we value the hands-on. Um, and students are quite surprised sometimes when they are doing science experiments and doing all the practical stuff. But yeah, it's great. And in terms of like the popularity of science as a subject for trainee teachers, you know, how is it doing compared to other subjects? It changes. When they first come in, I do I start off with a lecture, an Oran Wonder lecture, where I'm showing what science can be. And after that, I have students saying to me that it's changed how they feel about it. And once they've gone through their training, whether it's the PGCE 
or the B.Ed. At the end, they reflect and say, do you know what? I've changed how I feel about science um, for whatever reason. It's the barriers are broken down for them quite often. So you sort of have to unpick a little bit, perhaps, what their own perceptions were Absolutely. about science yeah. before you start the training program. Yeah, because the stereotypes are built up over... They go all the way back to primary school sometimes, and it's their experiences. And hopefully I want to get a chance to talk about some of the things that I've seen and I know about that are happening in schools that I know are changing those perceptions. So hopefully future students are going to come in and they're not so frightened of science, because that's what it is. They're quite fearful, some of them. Uh, why do you think they are fearful? What is it about that subject? It's a subject knowledge. They yeah. don't really, and they tend to move towards biology, the biology side of things. Most students don't have much experience past the stuff in the early years of secondary school of physics and chemistry. Mm. And why do you think that is in particular? Why has it been historically? I'm not sure. I think when we talk about this with the students, they say that they it's something they can empathise with because the, the biology is a lot about their body. Mm. So they can make links and it's more relevant to them. And that's the important thing about science, is building those links for children to make it relevant to their lives, whether it's about their body or something else. Now, we're going to come back to that because we want yeah. to talk about actually, you know, real-life science mm -hmm. at home, if you like, and you've mentioned cooking, for example. We'll come on to that. <laughs> but we want to talk about how we're doing nationally in terms of primary science because I think Lydia we saw an article in, in the Times Educational Supplement uh, recently saying that most primary classes get less than two hours of science a week and that's not really going to cut it is it Lydia you know for the future employment and the needs of our I can't see how you're going to have breakthroughs with that what do you think Dave? No it's it depends on the school to be honest we had the last science sats in 2011 we've Still got, um, we've still got maths and English, but no more science. We have biennial tests that are sample tests for the government to check what standards are like in science, and those tests have shown that standards are falling. Whether that means we were teaching to the test before, who knows. Um, but we need to make sure that um, schools know. Most, well, it says in that article most schools, but lots of schools have embraced the freedom by the, the given by the 2013 curriculum and they're following a practical inquiry-based approach in science so giving the children chance to ask a question and answer their own questions. Ofsted are also making sure that science is being taught in schools now when they go in that it's on their radar to make sure there's an adequate proportion of time and that it's being taught well but yes it's not it's not a good picture in all schools. There's some great stuff going on out there, though. And absolutely, we've certainly we've we've had Mr. Bauer, who's Bauer, who's going to come on later on from Stags. I mean, he's been wowing the internet with his science lessons in St Albans. But if we go back to what actually this attraction or or the opposite of what science does, what feelings it sort of encourages in people, you know, as you've said, often children don't even associate biology, chemistry, and physics yeah. with science. They they just they just understand the word science, but don't actually understand what those subjects entail. That's right, and lots of children, um, there is, there's research recently saying that there are a shortage of people going into STEM careers, that's science, technology, engineering and maths, and that's important for us to address, and children, recent research shows that children have made their decisions about science by the end of primary school, secondary school doesn't have a look in, according to this research, but it's also a case of thinking about the science for all concept not just about the stem careers because we need to make sure we're equipping our children with the science skills for an everyday approach to life really so it's not just about becoming a, you know a nasa astronaut Absolutely it might not. be just about understanding how you boil an egg yeah if you know the answer to that i'd like to know by the way <laughs> we won't get into kathy's cooking at this point in the show but i i, I mean that i love the idea of children coming up with a question and then going having the resources to mm. answer a question is there enough time in two hours a week for children to get into that depth of knowledge? there is there is it takes a lot of planning um and thankfully in the new 2013 curriculum for primary it's not the case for secondary but for primary it's been slimmed down so there's less to get through which means you can do it in greater depth and actually do this inquiry-based approach, which is really quite empowering for the children. And isn't it nice to hear something positive about what the government have done with the curriculum? You're yeah. saying there the teachers have actually been freed up. They have. Which is very exciting. Yeah, it is. Some people see it as um, it's made it not as important. Um, 
but m a lot of teachers are seeing it as an empowering experience. Great, great. And tell us your favourite thing about teaching science. How much are experiments a critical part of a science lesson? They are, they really, really are. Um, when I'm teaching the students, and same as when I taught the children in school, it's about developing that sense of awe and wonder to get that excitement going. Um, and I was talking to someone earlier about there's a great experiment I was showing my students about being able to drag a cornflake across a bowl of water with a magnet to talk about how much iron is in there and it actually does happen. It's really quite scary. That it, and then it prompts all sorts of discussion about what else is in food that we eat, why does it have to be there, what happens to it. So it's about starting off those questions from something like that. That's amazing. I had no idea no, you I could had do no that. Clue. We I'm should not... have brought a cornflake and yeah, a magnet and a bowl of water. Well, that's going to make breakfast times a lot more Absolutely, exciting. Yeah, exactly. Now, isn't it? You might not get out of the house, though, <laughs> if you do that in the morning. But there's loads of stuff like um, it's quite a well known one in schools now to take owl pellets, which are regurgitated parts of undigested food that dry underneath an um, owl um, where out the owls live. And then, have you done that? You're just Excellent. speaking to Lisa, who's seven, and she's going to join this discussion in a minute. We're going to ask you, have you done any of Dave's experiments, Lucy? Okay. Did you do the owl pellets? Yeah. Excellent. So what happens is you take the dry pellet and you soak it in disinfectant, and then they work out, because it's undigested bones and fur, so they're able to put together what animals the owl ate. Um, <gasps> and work out what their eating habits are, which is fantastic. I love that. Oh my God, that's and amazing. That's, a, that's at, what, at what key stage is that? You do that, well, Lucy's in year three, so she's done that um, when she's, are you seven? Oh, oh right, not at school. Uh, well, we would do it. We probably would, I would probably do that with year four, year five, or year six um, in school, to be honest. Lisi, it's probably a good time just to bring you in a little bit and tell us because we've heard from your mummy who's also in the studio that you're really passionate about science and have you actually done that experiment at home with your mummy? No. Not yet? Have you done it a little bit? Mm. What's your favourite experiment to do at school? Which ones have you enjoyed doing mm. at Oakwood? Anything well, to do with slime? No. I've done slime at brownies, but not at school. Yes, at brownies, that's right. So you do lots of science experiments at brownies, and you got a science badge, didn't you? Yeah. Fantastic. And what did you get the badge for, Lucy? Um, so he made rockets out of um, bottles, and we made slime and invisible ink. Ooh, oh, invisible ink. Oh, my son would love that. How do you do the invisible ink? Um, well, there's a type of pen that you use with a um, light at the end. Yeah. And you can also use lemon juice and something to go over the oh, lemon juice. That's excellent. And that was at Brownies? Yeah. So did you all write messages about, the, about each other or what did yeah. you do? So we wrote messages about stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Is this homemade? So tell us the science behind that. Dave, how do you make homemade invisible ink with lemon juice? It's basically lemon juice and then it dries. Um, um, it's, quite, it's a really good one. And it brings me back to when I was young. Lucy's got a book on the table about science experiments and that actual that invisible ink one was in the one when I was little. So it's the sort of thing that draws you into science, those things that are easy to do at home and really accessible and magical, really. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it relates back to parental confidence to do these things. You know, we don't know these experiments, so we would really need a book like Lucy's mum has there, yeah. um, which is 365 awesome science experiments. And you just have to sort of get stuck in, don't you? Yeah, definitely. There's lots of places. There's books, there's um, websites to go to um, that are really, really useful to find ideas from. Do you want me to give you some yes, of those please. now? Okay, so really, really good one is, at the moment, is Terrific Scientific, which the BBC are doing in conjunction with the Wellcome Trust. And that's great because it's got lots of DIY experiments that celebrities have done with their children. So <gasps> they demo them and then you get a chance to have a go at them at home. So it's making ice cream scientifically is one and having, making a lemon volcano, which is another one. It's excellent. So that's terrific scientific oh on the BBC goodness, site. fantastic. Which is awesome. And there's also another good one, which is um, Science Sparks, which is a great website 
made and written by um, a parent who's also got a science background and she does the experiments with her children and then you get to see what she's done and what you could do with your children it's all from really young children all the way through to year six but the great key, ideas the key is from what i'm hearing from you dave is to just encourage that natural curiosity absolutely and and what would you what would you suggest parents do obviously these uh, websites are great but to get children even starting to ask questions or getting them curious about uh science it's about engaging in talk with children that's the most important thing if children start talking and you start talking about the world around them there's science everywhere and if you ha engage in that dialogue with the children and have a chat in the car anywhere then basically you're going to, things are going to come out and not to be frightened really of things that you don't know because you can learn with your children we're going to bring Diane here because Diane, you're you're Lucy's mum, so very welcome to the Parents Show. Thank you. And you're actually way ahead of the curve, way ahead of us because you're actually doing in lots of little things with Lucy. Tell us a little bit about how you sustain her interest in science. Well, Lucy first became interested in in science at school. They did a science week when she was in reception, and they brought in various parents who worked in science industry and there was um, one of the dads came in who made medicine he's a scientist with Glaxo um, so he spoke about making medicine Lucy's always loved making potions in the bath she and her sister will get the shampoo the conditioner the soap and there'll be bubbles all over the place um, but also she loves being outside she's a tree climber she loves nature anything nature kind of so the biology stream the chemistry stream are what Lucy's interested in so for Christmas birthday, she's been given this book by her lovely friend Ollie. Um, she's been given a science set, a primary science set, a couple of years ago, where it's just very simple stuff with test tubes, and you make the volcanoes where you add the vinegar and the bicarbonate soda. So it's things that you've got in the house. Um, we like baking as well, um, so we've got things that you need. Um, and then at the moment, she's really interested in slime. I think <laughs> all the school children are mum's finding little balls of slime in their school trouser <laughs> pockets and the coat pockets and um, so we've gone through a whole room of slime recipes I think it's good to have those websites from Dave actually because a lot of the ones that we found trolling the internet are American and they need yeah. things that we don't have yeah they don't have the right yeah. you don't have the right no, ingredients our, our washing powders and uh, things like that they don't have yeah that's so slime, interesting slime ingredient that we oh, need but that's isn't it interesting that her interest was initiated by school in science week isn't that lovely Brilliant. but you're carrying that on when you go home and yeah, trying to yeah we are and then so so much about the owl pellet thing that you're speaking about previously Hartwood Forest run a festival a summer festival each year and both years we've been and she's loved the dissecting the thing the pellets they're given plastic gloves chopsticks and they take it apart and then they've got um, a little um, card with the skulls on so they can match up the skulls to identify the animals that the that the owl's been eating so it's been really interesting and she loves loves all of that well i you, d you don't need to convince us because every word you've been saying lucy has been smiling away <laughs> very, very proudly at, at uh, is it nice to hear all the things you've done lucy uh, yeah. Does it make you feel very proud? Yeah. Tell us, what's your favourite experiment of all the ones you've done? <laughs> Probably making volcanoes. So, what? Tell me again what you used for that. Vinegar. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the other one. The big long name. Oh yeah, bicarbonate of soda. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Great. And did it did it make an awful mess? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a perfect science experiment, doesn't it? The more dramatic, the better. Yeah, and the more. Let's talk about the mess, Dave. Does it have to be messy? No, it doesn't have to be messy at all. Messy is fun, um, and if you add food colour into that volcano experiment, it go. It does make it even more exciting because um, oh, you get a colourful volcano. I like it, which is great. Hands up! Who wants to invite Dave to a dinner party? Definitely <laughs> get him to do all these experiments. <laughs> But you know, people are always worried about science equipment and that's the word you often get from people in schools and parents. On the websites they're using equipment that's just readily found at home and then at school you can do science experiments with stuff you found in the pound shop. Well you see, I think that's what, I mean my generation certainly, I associate science with cutting up frogs. Buns and burners that generally don't work. You Stinky know, rats. Stink those rats. Oh, oh. I didn't do a rat. We just oh. did the frog. Oh, I did a rat, yeah. Did you? Mm. Oh, that smell. It's horrible. 
<laughs> but it's not all about that. It is about, but that's what we remember. Those are the things we stand that stand out in our memories. We need to be doing other things that are making children have really good memories of school. It's interesting because what Lucy was saying, Lucy's got something called high science capital, and Kings are um, doing some research into this Kings College in London, and they refer to this idea of science capital as carrying around a bag, and in the bag is contains your skills your attitudes and your experiences and if you've got high science capital if you know a scientist if you've been to a science museum if you go to a science club if you watch the science channel if you read a science magazine so that's what we need to do to make sure children ha all have those opportunities because it sounds like lucy's got a lot going on in science which is brilliant and she's in on terms the right of, track. Does, does it cost a lot of money to be the kind of parent who introduces your child to those sorts of opportunities? You've said you can go to the pound shop, you can get yeah. lots of the equipment for science, if you like. Yeah, absolutely, for free. And then the websites are free. Yeah. And going to Science Museum and the Natural History Museum, all those things are free. They don't cost anything. Growing vegetables with children is really inexpensive. Going to local farms, working farms, it's there's a lot you can do for no money. Tell us about the pound shop. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Dave, when you were about to... What pound stuff, pound shop stuff can you get? Well, things like like the bicarb, like the cups, the straws, um, cotton wool balls, anything you might need is going to be... is going to probably be in the pound shop, to be honest. If you need... If it's in a, a complicated experiment, of course not, but a lot of stuff... Well, a lot of stuff that you're going to do in school and some all of the stuff you're probably going to do at home, you're going to be able to buy the stuff cheaply. So, Diane, where do you get all this stuff from for your kitchen science experiments any tips for other parents um there's not really a lot that i've had to buy really um a lot of lucy's science stuff is outdoorsy stuff um yeah. she's always loved bugs since she was a toddler she'd be picking up wood lice in the garden and rolling them up um she loves just climbing trees she loves planting and growing she took a seed out of um, a fruit salad kept in my purse for a few weeks then found it and she's grown a, a small pomegranate in the back what? Garden, so wow. <laughs> we haven't had any fruit yet. Oh my um, goodness! But now it is just stuff that we have at home. The only things that I've had to buy is glue for the slime. <laughs> I had to buy quite a bit of glue. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, how do you make slime? Everybody's probably wondering. I've made slime. Well, I've made slime just with flour and water and food colouring. But I think there's probably a more complicated version that you've made. What's in your slime? Um, so one of the slimes I made was blue tack olive oil water. And another one was um, shaving foam, PVA glue, and eye drops. Which, which was the best <laughs> eye drops? Which was the best slime, and what what makes the best slime? Well, the last one I tried, we tried it at home, and it didn't work. But it worked the brownie revels. So basically, so you got a cup, and then you put the shaving foam and glue in it and you stirred it around and then you put the eye drops in it and then um, you stir it really fast and hard and you take it out and um, you have to try and get it to roll into a ball and if it sticks to your hands you just put um, uh, eye drops on your hands. Wow. Oh, That's the thing with science is often people are shy away from it because they think they're not getting it right or it didn't work. That's the joy of science because you just go again. You find out more and you learn from your mistakes and that's how we move forward. So, so you can learn a lot about resilience from science. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Touch growth mindset yeah. too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Now, Lucy, we're going to have to let you go in a minute, but I just wanted to let you say hello to your friends that I know you want to say hello to at school. You ready? Deep breath. Mm, hello to Amy Jay and Megan, if they're listening, and all the people at Oakwood. Hooray for Oakwood! Yeah. They're obviously doing a brilliant job uh, instilling um, that love of science. That's it, inspiring young scientists, boys and girls. Are there a couple of boys who like science too? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Lucy, thanks a million for coming on The Parent Show. Thanks, Diane. Thank and you. thanks very much, Dave. Thank you. Online at radioverilum.com and on 92.6 FM, we are the radio station for St Albans. Radio Verilum. Radio Verilum. The Parent Show on 92.6 FM, sponsored by Neve Solicitors.
Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. We are talking to many inspirational people, all engaged in science in some shape or form. And now we're going to move on to our next guest. And we're really delighted to have Mr. Boyer from Stags from the girls' school here in St. Albans. And he's a science teacher. So welcome to The Parents Hello. Show. I hear that you've been causing quite a storm <laughs> in, in the world of science. Yeah. So yeah. tell us, how long have you been at Stags? Uh, so this is my third year, third year at Stags. So I've been there, what, just over two years now. Great. And you're teaching science. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of science. And is it uh, like, is there no hope for girls in science, basically? <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> uh, no, I, obviously being sarcastic. But yeah. it, I, I, it must be um, a very vibrant place to be teaching yeah. science yeah it is um yeah we've got all kinds of students there and um the great thing about stags is there's a lot of there's a lot of girls who are really interested in science a lot, yeah. a lot of passion for science so we get uh, a strong intake of of girls at, at a level especially which is which is really great because i remember when i was at, at um secondary school there wasn't really many girls doing science in my class or in my chemistry class i know there was not any girls in the physics class at all so that's one of the really good things about teaching at a girls school is that they get well they get the opportunity to to study science and follow that that interest and there I, i'm sure there's a massive advantage in that there's no comparison that you can't say oh one class oh there's no boy there's no girls doing that so don't do it i mean it's a girls school so yeah. there must be just more numbers in in every class right of science and chemistry the ones that you kind of presume girls wouldn't necessarily do yeah of course i think i've got there's 13 girls in my my year 13 a level chemistry class and excellent i've got a few boys from who come in for other schools to to learn chemistry at stags so um yeah it's a it's a, it's a great opportunity for them and Declan, whenever we were watching the videos of you in action, yeah. you never see teachers in action. Yeah. It's terribly exciting. The girls were yeah, loving it. It's it. such yeah. a gorgeous video. Yeah. I mean, you do it, you've all done it, you know, as teachers every day, but seeing them so excited about those experiments. Yeah. So that, that video, I was doing uh, the a methane bubbles experiment. So you just take uh, normal gas that, you, that comes out of your gas oven um, and pass it into a bowl of washing up liquids. And that fills up the bubbles with the methane and then you can light it in your hand fairly safely. And that's what I was doing. And the girls loved it. I think they just enjoy the chance to set me on fire, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to mentally picture myself doing that. So you turn on the gas oven, stick a tube, presumably. I, I wouldn't do it with a gas oven. We've got okay. you know, the gas taps on the... Okay. On yeah, the don't try this at home yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, what, what, kind of, what kind of chaos are you going to create around St. Albans? Yeah, if you hear a loud explosion later yeah. in Harpenden, that's me. Um, and also, I wanted to ask you about, you know, the, the physics, physics as pop as a popular yeah. topic in a girls' school, because chemistry, I think, has been quite popular, and so is biology with girls, yeah. certainly in recent years. Yeah. But what about physics, a stickler topic? Well, I guess in, in chemistry, we have the um, the draw of the bangs and explosions that, that I was just talking about. Physics um, is a, a different ball ballgame. Um, I think there's there's there are fewer girls in the in the in the physics class, but then um, they're really interested in the subject. Um, I know I was talking to one girl who I who I teach chemistry to as well, and she wants to do astrophysics at, at university. So, Fantastic! Yeah, it does draw physics still does draw some students into. Um, to do it at A level. And that's a very interesting point, I think, because physics is actually, we're learning about the different facets of physics. Yeah. And astrophysics has come more to the fore because of NASA and yeah. that sort of interest in space exploration. And yeah. it makes it a lot, you know, seem quite distant away from sort of circuits in yeah. physics class <laughs> that we may have done, you know. It makes it interesting. Mm. And do you think that that, for example, um, a few years ago, we had a girl on our show, I think, who at Sandringham had spoken to the astronaut, Tim Peake, and just that kind of like, mm. it's tangible that they can yeah. actually associate the science with something exciting happening in the world. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then there's also the um, the prevalence of science fiction as well that draws people in, like, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, all that sort of thing. People are fascinated by what's out there Do in you space. Actually, you actually think that has a role to play in drawing people into science? I think it, it, can, it can do, yeah. I mean, I grew up watching Star Wars. I love it. And I, w I can't say that it, you know drew an interest out of me in science because uh, I've gone down the chemistry path but just the whole idea of how big how re big really is space and, and all that sort of stuff it, it's an interest point 
point that draws people into science. Um, do you know what I, I love at the moment um, is that there's, there is a huge emphasis in books at the moment um, celebrating female scientists. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole series of them, um, good night stories for rebel girls, you know, talking about the woman who wrote the code that you know was used in a in a one of the spaceships that landed on you know yeah um, I, I can't remember which planet it was sorry but it, it's a it's an exciting time for girls and science really isn't it yeah. it seems like a lot of the barriers have disappeared mentally mm -hmm. and kind of professionally yeah it's important to remember that there were influential women in science from ages ago like um like a couple of our houses at school are named after um like we've got Marie Curie and, and Rosalind Franklin and both female scientists um who made amazing discoveries even what, up to 100 years ago so it's not it's not a new thing but I guess it's a new thing in that it's being more widely recognized now um, I'd like to ask both of you about careers. We've, you know, I think anecdotally people think schools aren't that good at secondary level uh, uh, in terms of, you know, I think showing young people what the range of careers yeah. that you can actually do, say, with a physics degree. You know, to what extent do you think that's changing? Is it something that's on the radar for schools um, at secondary, first of all? Uh, so I, I was talking to some year 11s about the sixth form, A level choices recently and there is a huge range of, of careers and degrees you can go into from having a chemistry A-level that they may not have considered before. So um, I do think that there's a... Uh, people don't really see those careers that you can go into and just think, oh, chemistry A-level, you're going you're gonna to do chemistry at university. That's all you, all you can do. But in reality, you can go into all sorts of things. Like You can even go, get a, go into doing law from, from a chemistry degree because it's so so many transferable skills from that like problem solving for example is a big part of chemistry um and that's something that attracts a lot of university courses not just straight chemistry one of the things i like about your videos is that you sort of get a sense of what actually what learning is about as well you know it's about that experimentation and that inquiry that you've mentioned earlier dave you know about that inquiry in the classroom yeah. and isn't that what would you say we think we've got it you know in Declan and bucket loads on those videos but what makes a great science teacher how do parents know that their child has actually been taught well that's I think that's a bit contentious actually because the government are giving bit, huge bursaries to people to study physics who got firsts in physics and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good teacher if you got a first so you need somebody who's engaging interesting and the teachers come in all shapes and sizes and all different sorts of teaching styles but you need to grab the children's attention and however you do that with your personality or what you're doing um, in your science sessions that's what draws children in but I um, talk to my students about the diverse range of jobs that involve science so things from an electrician involves science that they probably don't realise is a scientist a firework maker a technical brewer I probably wouldn't be a teacher if I'd known there'd been a job as a technical brewer. But, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's also about getting um, getting parents in who are scientists into school to talk to children, like doctors and dentists and all sorts of people to show their science in their jobs to the children so the children are aware of what possibilities there are as a scientist. And is that something stags do? Have they got that kind of relationship with the science community at all? Do you bring in speakers or try and sort of open their thinking a little bit? Yeah, definitely. There are we have careers evenings throughout the year where um or in different vocations where pe outside people come in and talk about their career and what they do and and how they got there. So there's a lots of opportunities for the girls to find out about the various careers that they might go into. Um and also we take we like to take sixth formers, especially our A-level chemists and physicists, out on trips. So um, I have taken them to, to University College London before to find out about the various things that they do in their research labs there. Um, we've taken them to GlaxoSmithKline as well. So we, we try and take them out on lots of visits to various places to get some more, more of an idea of what they could do with their A-level. I have to say it's so exciting that there are schools like Stags you know really i'd say it's just changing the landscape in, in inspiring so many young women to be to be scientists you know it's really fantastic and to add that professional element to it is just brilliant but there's that sort of commonality between primary and secondary it's that bridging the gap between real life things that are going on in real life 
and what they're learning in the classroom. And you mentioned, Dave, earlier that children's attitude to science is often fixated uh, by the end of primary. It is. Research has shown that actually they've made their decisions if science is for them by the end of primary, which makes it all uh, more difficult for secondary school teachers to overcome that if the decision's already been made. So it's about drawing them in and inspiring them and lighting that spark. And they might not be scientists when they grow up, but as we've said before, they need a certain level of science to be able to access, access the world in their, in their adult life. And it's important, isn't it, the attitudes that we parents pass on about science? We've all heard about mm. maths, anxiety and yeah. parental attitudes on a subject like maths. But is it your experience as practising teachers as well that, that a parental attitude matters when it comes to how a pupil progresses in maths, Dave? Um, I think most definitely parent attitudes, and, and I've seen that in my students, they enter the classroom as adults and they revert to being their, a child because they've got that fear potentially and that's going to that's going to affect parents who aren't training to be teachers as well and I've seen parents in parents evenings or come in to speak to me in school about things and they get nervous about being in school let alone about studying a subject because their experience of school perhaps wasn't that positive for some people. Mm. And Declan what's your sort of experience it's different than secondary isn't it mm. you probably have less involvement with parents but yeah. When, when children come from a supportive home where they're encouraging those sort of scientific activities and those excursions to the science museum, etc., does it make a difference, in your opinion? I think it certainly helps, yeah. As you say, taking them to the science museum or other places like that would certainly help to foster an interest in science. Um, and I think science is all about having an interest in it. If you really want to succeed or do well in science, you've got to be passionate about it. You've got to have some kind of interest. And it certainly helps if you're you know, slaving away over some books and you're actually interested in what you're in what you're doing. And those things, those sort of visits and things you can do outside of the classroom certainly help in fostering that interest. I think one of the interesting things that I'm thinking about is that parents often don't recognise what is science because there's a lot of science in cookery, like you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And because we don't recognise it, we can't say to our children, oh, you're really good at science or you really enjoy science, don't you? If they're out looking at plants or asking questions because it's such a vast subject. It is, it's huge, absolutely huge. But I think the point you made earlier about books and learning with children and reading a book with them there's a uh, reading for pleasure is so important and reading fiction is fantastic but there is a place for reading non-fiction and reading with the children about new things in science there's some brilliant books out there like you've mentioned those ones about female scientists which are fantastic there's a really good one for younger children called smart pickings and it's by Lynn Bianchi and it's a it's a picture book and it allows the children to choose their investigation, who the scientists they want to be, what equipment they're going to use, what investigation they're going to follow. And you build it up as you would build a story with no, with no words in a book. It's brilliant. That sounds oh, gorgeous. Oh, Christmas list, stick that on the Absolutely, yeah, there's so much out there. And, and um, it, that makes so much sense, Dave. You know, obviously start the conversations. And I have to say, like, the owl pellets or going to Hartwood and connecting that with being science, of course. Of course, you know, and it's great to get a, a nudge as a parent to kind of think in that direction. Because we model that as a teacher, as, as teachers as well. We don't know everything. So if the child asks something, we try and find out together. If we don't know, and sometimes we don't tell them anyway because we want them to find out themselves. So it's not mm. about knowing everything. Now, with the Christmas holidays impending, we want to hear, like, where do you guys love to go that encourages your interest in science? Which are the best museums? We've mentioned the Science Museum, but are there any hidden little treasures that you guys like to visit as scientists? Uh, personally, um, I, I enjoy going to the zoo. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a typical museum as such, but there's a lot of, a lot of science, really good science there in terms of ecology and conservation and that sort of thing. Um, Obviously, we got we got Whipsnade right around the corner. But when I was training over in Bristol, we went over to Bristol Zoo, which is uh, a different experience. But it's also it's got a lot of a lot of good stuff there. They have um, an education centre there actually, where we we got to hold a a huge cockroach in our hands, um, which was it was interesting. I wouldn't say it was fun, but you know, there's all sorts of things that you can do, and um, especially at, at the zoo that you might not have thought about, other than just going around and looking at some animals. I hate cockroaches. <laughs> I really am all, um, I'm not a big fan either. No, what's to like, in yeah. all fairness. Um, brilliant. Dave, how about you? 
Um, a bit of a cliche, but I like going to the Natural History Museum because there's so much in there, so much you can do, and they put on amazing events for children that are free, um, which is brilliant. There's a lab in the basement which has got all artefacts a little bit like you've just talked about, um, that the children are allowed to touch that they never will be able to experience because you wouldn't be able to afford to have them in school, and they, they can touch them, put them under a microscope and experiment with them. And aside from that, I think going to the beach as well. Taking children to the beach is or is a is a great way to start some scientific inquiry. Wow, that's brilliant! All those great tips. Oh, I think we read in your bio, um, Dave, that you're writing a children's book. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I am. It's called Science Meets English. So, it's an approach to teaching science and English simultaneously within a creative theme. So, children might write to an alien to learn about the planets. Um, they do drama as. Um, all the way through to learn about rock formation. It's a way to bring science and English um, alive, if you like, and to inspire. And it's good because it brings those children who are drama, English-based children who perhaps wouldn't enjoy science so much traditionally, then you draw them in that way and you hook them in. Um, but, yeah, it's a book for teachers so that they can teach ten topics across the primary curriculum in a creative way. Sounds wow. fantastic. What a difference that can make. Honestly, that's brilliant. Really, and I just really think good. merging those topics, those subjects, is absolutely fantastic, you know. Well, if you do it, I think if you do it and you do it purposefully so that the science is valued and the English is valued, or the drama, then it's worthwhile. It's when things get put together in a haphazard way and one's, one subject's there as a passenger. They have to both be important. Well, great. We're going to have a little break and come back to speak to an amazing young woman who's crazy about physics, crazy about astrophysics, and that's Hannah. And we'll come back after a little break. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. We have one spectacular guest after another tonight and it's all about science. People who are uh, blowing our children's minds in school and blowing teachers' minds at university. And um, and now we've got a fine example of a young girl and Hannah's on the line now. Hi, Hannah. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So tell us a little bit about what you're studying for your A-levels. I am study I'm doing my first year of A levels and I am studying mathematics, further mathematics, physics and chemistry. Wow, now that is just <laughs> beyond impressive. And tell us what what led you down that path? What inspired you to take such a, a pretty science heavy um yeah. selection? Yeah. Um mainly it's been my teachers. Uh I've always had quite inspiring teachers, um, from as far back as I remember and what really got me going was I started a project um, a long time ago, um, including art, but also a bit on uh, physics. And I inca um, incorporated a little bit on chaos theory, which <laughs> I'm not sure many have heard of, but I found it Just really from the Big Bang Theory, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it kind of led me down the road to science, and from then on I was really quite encaptured by it yeah that's fantastic and and how have you sustained your interest since then um i love to read a lot about science and i i go to quite a lot of conferences conferences to hear um you know experts talk about what they're working on for the future and for me, science is just so fascinating because um, everyone has their own perception of what our reality is, and that's really something that I like to think about because I'm also quite uh, a bit of an art enthusiast. So I like to think about how we can model the world in different ways, and science is just a way we can do that, um, and maybe not in a conventional way because what we're really dealing with in science is things that we can't see on a daily basis. They're really abstract and really quite fun. So. And Hannah, what, has anything held you back in your interest in science? I mean, if, you're, if, you're, if other girls are listening, other um, yeah. young pupils, you know, what would you say to them? Um, I think 
maybe the, the main holdback for, for science is there's not many role models I, I can see um, for women especially. Um, I'm especially interested in physics and I don't, I don't hear a lot about women physicists working um, and what they're doing out there in the world. Um, so I think that can be quite a big setback because a lot of young people want to know what they can do when they're older. And yeah, and having that inspiration, yeah. Yeah. And is, when you go to, you, you mentioned you go to conferences, Hannah, is, it, yeah. is there a disproportionate amount of men presenting over women? Um, I'd say so. I think, I, yeah, I've usually heard male scientists give the speeches that I've gone and listened to. Um, yeah, I, I, and my teachers have always been male. Um, I've never had a female science teacher. So, yeah, I, there's definitely some disproportion there. And Hannah, I'm just going to bring in some of our other guests in the studio on that point. Dave, yeah. traditionally, primary school teachers have been female. Yeah, absolutely. Most primary school teachers are female. And I'm just thinking, I'm involved in something called the Primary Science Quality Mark. And it's an award scheme which enables primary schools to evaluate and strengthen their provision. So if they want to get better at science or if they don't think science is doing very well, they go for this award. Um, and the predominantly the people involved in that are, are women. Um, so at primary school, children are seeing women as role models. And, I mean, this award, the Primary Science Quality Mark, is great, and it's in just under 14% of schools now. So it's raising standards, not just for girls, but for everybody. Um, so hopefully, in the future, the impact of this Quality Mark is going to have an impact on girls in science. But we, it's, um, I think it's going to take time for that to show in secondary yeah. yeah, and Hannah, um, I just have to say, when I was at university, I shared a house um, with other students and everybody had to write down what they were studying on the first day and you didn't know who was in each bedroom or in each house and they were all scientists except for me and one of them was studying clusters of galaxies. So oh, yeah. she's now a very famous astrophysicist in Rome and I was telling um, my colleague here tonight that her friends were the people who detected the gravitational waves. Is that correct, oh, gentlemen? Oh, yeah. So I'm very, I'm going to put you in touch with her because we can't leave you on the parents' show without having um, some role models wow. that, in astrophysics. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> great. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there are more uh, female physicists taking roles yeah, now. Of course. And I think yeah. the Royal Society of Engineers have just um, appointed the first president, the female president, so oh, that was, I heard her um, recently on the radio. So um, I just want to ask you as well, Hannah, to what extent have your parents been encouraging or played a role in encouraging your love of science? Well, my dad's a mathematics teacher. so that There helps. we go. <laughs> but actually, my, my parents are pretty laid back. They don't actually get involved much with what I spend my time doing. And for them, it's actually quite a surprise that I'm really into science because um, I have always been quite into art as well. Um, and I feel like there's major links between art and science, but they've always seen me as an artist. So <laughs> their input has been more in that direction, but they're really happy to see that I'm really passionate about something. And obviously my dad has really helped me in that way with his, all his math and yeah. Uh, Even Dave mentioned earlier as well, and these these other hobbies. You know, there's a massive strand of creativity yeah. in science, isn't there? Yeah. And the, these yeah. links between drama that you mentioned, Dave, and writing, creative writing, and Hannah talking about her art. Well, that's interesting because I hate to say I do that as well, but art is one of my other things that I draw into science and whether it's doing a wax resist image of a flower close-up dissection of a flower and looking at the flower parts or doing a felting project to uh, on based on a planet that they've designed themselves i think drawing in those creative subjects draws all sorts of people in because it sounds like um this is a case where art, art and art and science work well together yeah i really agree with that 
Well, Hannah, it's been a pleasure speaking to someone who's 17 and fabulous and interested in science. And um, it's lovely to have had our other guests in the studio tonight. Thank you so much, Dave Allen. Thank you. And um, Declan Boyer from Stags. Thank you. And we're going to finish the show, hopefully, with a chat with the editor of Aquila magazine, which is a magazine for young people, for children. Um, And there are lots of magazines in the market to help children engage with different subjects. But this, this one, Aquila, is actually about um, inquiry which we referred to earlier in the show and uh, hopefully Freya Hardy will be on the phone um, in a second to tell us all about it are you there Freya? Hello, Kathy. Hello. The modern, the modern, what is it? The, the modern science. We've got you on there. Great. Um, Freya, tell us very quickly about Aquila and uh, the fabulous offer that you're making to our listeners this evening. Okay, um, Aquila is a magazine for bright and curious 8 to 13 year olds. Um, We offer all sorts of subjects that aren't necessarily covered in the classroom, um, including the core curriculum subjects, so science, math, English, but also things like philosophy, architecture, design, all sorts of things um, to appeal to kids who maybe enjoy a challenge. Fantastic. And is uh, apparently, I've heard, you've got 28,000 su- subscribers? It's something in that region, yeah. I mean, we, we, seem to be, uh, we, we seem to be attracting a lot of new customers recently. And I'd like to know um, what the question is for listeners tonight in order to win. I think you're being very generously giving a subscription. Is that correct? Yes, it's a four-month subscription. So that's before issues. And the question is, who was the first woman on record to reach the North Pole? We're looking for answers from uh, our very knowledgeable guests. They're not going to. They're not going to tell us, even if they do. <laughs> are are, they, yeah, are people gonna, allowed to Google it, Freya? Are they allowed to Google it? <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair. <laughs> they they want to win the prize themselves, Kathy. I know they're just being shy about it. They're being shy about it. So um, uh, thank you so much. Um, and that is a. If you just repeat the question again. We'll put it on our Facebook page. Okay. Who was the first woman on record to reach the North Pole? And that is to win four copies of Aquila magazine for your 8 to 13-year-old. Um, and do you have a lot of um, input from children for the magazine? Do they write in and contribute? They do, yeah. It's one of the most pop- Well, we have uh, two of the most popular parts of the magazine are the letters page and the pen pal page, which is sounds a bit old-fashioned but um the kids really love writing to each other and um, that's how we introduce them to other kids of a similar kind of disposition um, but i'm lucky enough to get letters from children every day um, telling us about their hobbies and their pets and their holidays and all sorts of things they're interested in that sounds gorgeous and we've been talking about you know cross-curricular activities tonight so being able to improve your literacy your handwriting your storytelling all from your little um scientific magazine is fabulous so listen freya hardy thank you so much for joining us on the thank parent you. show this evening and good luck to whoever wins and um, we'll announce it next week the subscription to aquila thank you so much from the parent show team and see you next week Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.